talking about my favorite way of looking at the scriptures and bringing back redaction, especially as it relates to the book of Luke. If you're interested in hearing more about that, it's time to go off the top. talking about the book of Luke this time um like I said it's my favorite book and I'm having a hard time picking what to cover but the good news is that uh in the fall I'm gonna do a whole course on the gospels which gives me a little bit more time and it goes into a lot more detail so I'm excited about that I'm actually working on that which means we're just gonna plow through the gospels um which is not what I expected to do and then in my personal life, I've been looking at the book of Daniel and thought, man, I need to go off the top about this. So I think what's going to happen is we're going to finish Luke and John probably in the next two or three weeks. And then I'm just going to let y'all into my personal devotional time because I'm getting rocked um, and it's beautiful. But anyway, let's talk about Luke and let's talk about the redaction in Luke. Now, remember, we talked about... <clears throat> We talked about redaction and the, the the redaction method is basically about the intent of the author. For those who are just jumping in, we did a couple episodes about the different types of biblical criticism and my favorite is redaction because it talks about how exactly the, the narrative writers are going to present Jesus and present the story of Jesus. And what happens is like you're, you know, in some places you will look at the form of the text, you know, from a historical. So you're looking at how does what's being written here actually interplay with actual history and archaeology. Then others like critical methods, excuse me, other critical methods look at, you know, tradition and what is the relationship between this and the original historical context. But with redaction, it's used to focus on the text in its final form and the role and the intent of the author. And I like that because it's it makes you or it gives you insight into these people as humans and um, how they're bringing their own subjective either experience with Jesus or experience with those who've experienced Jesus uh, to the table. And I just like that better because it makes the Gospels um, more like a conversation and it makes them more human. Uh, than anything else or than any other method in my opinion so um what it seems like luke is trying to do in his gospel i know we talked about um the role of women in his gospel so he's obviously he's obviously bringing women to the forefront he is the the gospel writer who does that the most and it's interesting because you know with in relation to John and Matthew, Luke probably wrote later uh, than Matthew and Mark. Probably not so much as John, which would explain probably why John doesn't talk about the destruction of the temple at all. But it also explains why in Mark 13 and Matthew 24, why they don't actually talk about um their, their depictions of 70 AD are a lot more apocalyptic and look a lot more uh, future oriented. Whereas Luke's depiction in Luke 21 
um, describes when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. So he definitely describes the destruction of the temple. So it, what it does is it helps us date the gospels and it helps us date the fact that, you know, Mark must have been written, written way before all of that because of the way that his gospel ends and the way that he tells the story of what's happening in Mark 13. And so we think, you know, most scholars agree that Mark came first and that Mark was used alongside this other source, Q. And so what the writers did was they used Mark's gospel. Matthew did it and Luke did it. They used Mark's gospel and they also used, um, you know, another source that they, they just saw that they just called Q and that, and Q stands for, I think, Quelle and that, or cool, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it means uh, source. So in Latin, it just means the source. And so what's really dope about it is that it helps us in, in figuring out when some of the gospels were written based on the fact that we don't see Luke refer to, um, for instance, Luke is not referring to the letters of Paul in either Luke or Acts. Um, and so we know that it couldn't have been written um, past, it couldn't have been written past about 90 um, AD. And so I think kind of, if we're thinking about it, it happened, definitely Luke wrote his gospel after the destruction of the temple um, because he, he describes it in the most detail. And, but it also had to stop before, you know, 100 AD or 100, I think it's 110, 120 in there because the depiction of how Paul is received in Rome. And we know by the, you know, by 100, 115, 120 AD that Paul would not have been received like that and Christians would have not have been received like that in the courts of Rome. So that helps us with our dating. So that's one thing about Luke is he's got a very unique perspective. He's further along than both Matthew uh, and Mark in the story. And so what that does is it gives him more time to figure out Jesus's intention, right? And to figure out God's disclosure of God's self in the person of Jesus in a different way because he's sort of, he's got more time on his hands and he's got more history on his hands as he's trying to tell his story. So that's really exciting for us because it helps us to think about um, maybe, you know, it gives us a sense in which we could say, oh, maybe Luke is getting a little bit more of what Jesus was trying to do than Mark, who was definitely in a rush to get it down because, albeit probably because of persecution. And Matthew is definitely trying to show how Jesus is fulfilling um, the, the Messiah's role for Israel because there was a lot, you know, around the time that Matthew was writing, there is a lot of um, uh, disruption between the Jews and the Christians, right? There's a, there's a whole lot of confusion going on and it's a, it's a kind of a tumultuous time where Matthew is trying to smooth all of that out and show that the natural transition, the way to be a Jew is now to be um, a follower of the way. And Luke is not trying to really do any of that. Luke is just trying to tell a story. And in the beginning of his gospel, he says, many have taken to write an account for you. So we know that at least Mark and Matthew, I believe Matthew was written as well, but at least Mark was written at the time of um, Luke's uh, narrative, which is great because he's telling you what he used as his source. And then the way in which this is probably so nerdy for y'all, but 
anyway we'll get to more juicy stuff like in the course but i'm just trying to give you guys an understanding of um kind of what luke is doing so that when you read it on your own you're able to see man he did that intentionally and it's really dope okay so how do we know that um how do we detect redaction in luke's gospel and again the reason why i'm doing this more uh in depth related to luke is because luke's what luke is trying to draw out about god um is beautiful to me and so there are there are tons of things about meals and hospitality but also he's moving um i think that you know when jesus sees zacchaeus in the tree in luke 19 and he says you know i'm coming to your house zacchaeus and zacchaeus decides um once the once the lord shows up in his house and he brings all his friends zacchaeus decides you know, I'm going to make restitution and give reparation to the people that I've cheated. And so there is this sense of the repentance and the, um, the reverence and the walking out of being a true Jew, right. That, that cares for neighbor. And that is, um, walks in the light of the Lord happens when Jesus shows up in the house. And so, but then every time we see Jesus in the temple, it's always tumultuous and it, and it's never, um, there's always um, disagreement happening with with God incarnate in the temple. And what Luke is trying to show us is like, hey, like God is becoming real, real earthy and real, real organic and real, real family oriented. And that's why most of the most of the teachings, most of the times that we see um, Jesus um, given like the goods, it's always in a house. So he's saying, you know, God is is moving away from this religious temple system to a household, family, interactive uh, type of um, type of, I guess you could call it a religious system. And so it's not, it's no longer about rules and laws. It's about hospitality. It's about conversation, and and this is a shift that um, Luke is seeing happening in real time because why because the temple is gone and so he's trying to show like jesus was showing us that you know ichabod right like the glory has departed from this temple system it's in people's houses now there are women funding this ministry there are women who are disciples there are women who are um, proclaiming the truth about god and all of these things sort of confront the old way of doing things this is the new wineskin and it goes from the temple uh to the living room and that means that God's disclosure is that he is very near and very earthy uh, and very um, relational. So we, so I love, love, love um, the redaction method. So where do we see that happening in Luke? Well, one of which, I'll, I'll go through a couple of them, I guess. So like when John the Baptist goes to prison, uh, that happens in Mark. Because remember, he's using Mark as a source. So in Mark, that happens in chapter six, when John the Baptist, you know, tells uh, the, I think it's Herod, that he can't sleep with his, I don't know, somebody in his family. And, you know, eventually he gets beheaded and all that jazz. Well, what's interesting about how Luke tells the story is like, Luke tells it earlier. He tells it in, in Luke chapter three, because he's trying to show that like the story of John is kind of closed before the baptism um, and ministry of Jesus. And he's so he's trying to, again, he's telling you, I'm trying to make this thing a little more orderly. 
and he's demonstrating i think Mark, matthew does this too he's demonstrating that sort of john was preparing the way for jesus whereas in mark it's very conflated and and it seems as though they are contemporaries um and so but that's just mark telling the story kind of raw uh, but luke and matthew are telling the story in a way that says hey like the ministry of John the Baptist was a preparatory ministry for the ministry of Jesus. And so that's one way in which Luke redacts the story. Um, when Jesus goes to Nazareth, he, in Mark, it happened that, that also happens in Mark chapter six. So, so we're like six chapters into Mark before, before Jesus visits Nazareth. Um, but Luke, um, encapsulates it as the beginning of, of Jesus's Galilean ministry. So Luke chapter four, that's when we have Jesus um, in Nazareth in Galilee. And it, it, it kind of is like setting the stage for this rejection that's going to happen. That's going to happen uh, in his hometown and all these other places. And that's where we have the, um, you know, today the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing. Uh, that's the Luke 4.18 beautiful verse about what Jesus has come to do and he's in the synagogue and they get mad because he talks about naming the Syrian and then they go to try to throw him off the cliff <laughs> and he passes right through him like a G and then um, another way that um, Luke is just amazing another way that he tries to um, that he uses redaction is the way that he tells Peter's story and so I don't know if this is because he was kind of rolling with Peter and knew Peter that he was trying to sort of humanize Peter. Like Mark gives us just facts. Like, and Peter was, you know, Peter was dumb and did this. But but what Luke does, like for instance, when when Jesus calls the disciples, right? And Mark, it just says Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw some fishermen. He told them to follow him. They left their nets and followed him immediately. Like Mark is real quick with it. But Luke humanizes Peter and like in Luke 5 like the same scene Luke gives us more details and Luke says you know he saw a boat and he knew the boat was Simon's and he gets in the boat of Simon and he tells Simon to push out to the deep and put down your catch and Simon kind of argues with him and then finally does it and then falls on his knees and says you're the Lord God and and so it's like Luke is Luke's purpose is to like show sort of this blossoming of of the truth about God that people are coming into the light of as they're experiencing Jesus. Um, I'm trying to think of a one that's really like salient in terms of. Um, oh yeah, so like think about like when Jesus. Uh, so in Mark, what is it? Thirteen. Mark 14, um, I think that's right, where Jesus is talking about what's going to happen, right? He's, he's prophesying his betrayal and everything like that. That doesn't happen until Luke 22. And I think that the reason Luke puts it there, his redaction method is to say, like, I want this to kind of go on the end of like the, the meal, right? Because again, meals are so important. And so Jesus is disclosing this betrayal and all that in the context of, of table fellowship, which makes it a lot more intimate. And when you get to seeing what happens um, later in the story, it's like, oh man, like this would have been, this would have tore Peter up. You know, this this whole conversation happened in, in terms of table fellowship. And then we see Peter do it just like Jesus said he would do it. And 
what's beautiful about it is like at the end, I think this is Luke, but at the end of his gospel, uh, when Jesus appears, he says, go tell the disciples and Peter. And it's just a, such a beautiful, relational, um, compassionate um, conversation, which we which we'll see come up later in, in church history about what we do with people who've denied the Lord. But that's another story for another day. So anyway, what we see in, 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 in the gospel of Luke is his method is to take the religious system and show how Jesus is disrupting, has been disrupting that system um, from day one. And, and I think it's beautiful because it's supposed to um, confront uh, Israel at the time and it's supposed to explain why the, the destruction of the, the temple in Jerusalem is not the end of the story for the Jews unless they are unwilling to follow Jesus on the way. And so it, it's just, it's, a, it, it's giving assurance and it's legitimizing that you know, those who have, who have chosen to follow Jesus, it was no small thing to say, you know, I'm going to go the way of this Jewish man. Um, I mean, it was no small thing to say, um, now the law is written on my heart and I'm not going to follow the law in the, in the scriptures so much. And like, I'm going to, um, reject sort of the leadership of the Pharisees and follow this, you know, guy from Nazareth who, who is claiming to be uh, God in the flesh. So it's a beautiful, beautiful, um, it's just, he's just addressing so many theological and social questions that are facing his actual community in real time. And, um, so we'll pick it up, um, next time and talk a little bit more about some of the other themes. I really want to talk about hospitality because it looks like to me in Luke's gospel that hospitality actually, um, is a serious matter like it, it you know in terms of we're thinking about salvation the way that i'm reading about these stories and these things happening at the tables uh, it, i think that luke is making the claim that hospitality is a um an outward expression of an internal salvation so anyway maybe we'll talk about that next time but anyway thanks for letting me go off the top if you enjoyed this podcast and want to learn more about how we clear the path for black students, visit us at www.subcultureinc.org. Grace and peace.